Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit is rampant. Hello, Tyler. How are you doing? I'm good, Dave. How are you? Uh, I'm I'm good. I'm good. Uh, we have reconvened for this second special episode of the BS Cast, where we're going to be reviewing Loki by the episode. And uh, the ep- second episode of Loki dropped on Wednesday. As everyone is well aware, it seems as though Disney is moving all of their stuff to a Wednesday premiere rather than a Friday premiere. Kind of makes they're uh, they're TV shows. They're TV shows. Sorry, yes. Um, kind of makes the sense. The movies are going to keep coming out on Fridays. Ah, fair enough. Fair enough. I suppose splitting them to two to separate uh, days gives them a little bit more talking points between their big movie releases and their episodic releases. Um, it's uh, kind of makes sense to me with the TV shows because you're still going to get water cooler talk, and uh, it's nice to be able to watch something on the Wednesday and then come in either having watched it first thing on the Wednesday or on maybe on, on the Wednesday evening and come in on Thursday and talk about it with your friends, just like we are going to be doing today. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's get straight into it, shall we? Um, we have finally confirmed who the the main villain of the show is, and I uh, am using massive air quotes when saying that because yeah. I, for a second, I, I don't for a second think that uh, DiMartino, that's her name, isn't it, DiMartino? Yes. Yes. Um, I don't think that she is going to be the main villain come the end of the series. Uh, I, I think it's fairly obvious for most people watching. Um, but um, this was a huge episode because they went ahead and broke the timeline. Yeah, I think it's really interesting that uh, episode one and two of Loki really kind of set up the concept of the sacred timeline. And then by episode two, they destroyed it. <laughs> Immediately broken the thing. Yeah, it, uh, I thought it was a good episode. Um, we, we may be fairly brief in talking about it this week because like for me, certainly, Outside of what happens at the tail end of it, I, I don't know that there's massive number of talking points, to be honest with you. it's uh, The first episode of, of any show is going to have a lot of stuff to talk about because it's setting things up. But this felt just kind of like um, an onward content, uh, continuation of what we already know and uh, and then broke everything at the end. Um I, it was cool seeing Loki just kind of sitting at a desk like a bored detective in his suit, um, being lectured by Miss Minutes, uh, Tara Strong making yet another appearance. And I've already seen several theories online about the possibility that Miss Minutes may be an integral part to this story come the end of the six episodes. Um, I, I, have you seen any of that stuff at all around the, the internet, mate? Uh, maybe, <laughs> Maybe some stuff. Personally, I love Miss Minutes, and I'd like uh, Miss Minutes even more knowing that she can take some kind of corporeal form and interact with people, and it's not just, oh, this is some animated propaganda thing, but Mm. in the beginning of this episode, she's literally like, come on, Loki, work harder, (laughs) and she's like literally talking to him, and it's great, and I love that he can swat at her and she has to dodge it. Like She's really there. Yeah. I love that. I did not see that coming from Miss Minutes and I think it's great. <laughs> like She is physically there. She's not like a hologram as such or if she is, she's more of a Red Dwarf type of hologram where she's like 
solid, later series Red Dwarf, where she's like a solid light hologram, um, where she has like physical weight because you can hear her as she lands on different objects. Like her feet definitely made a, a scuffing noise as she was landing. Um, and why else would you dodge a rolled up uh, magazine unless you're worried right. about being hit by it? Um, so that, 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 there's going to be a few interesting theories come along about Miss Minutes as we progress, I think. Certainly already seen a few, which is like, is she the mastermind behind everything? Is she a prisoner? Um, or is she just a recorded AI, which is there to tell everybody what they're supposed to do? You know, like maybe... Yeah, I, personally, I don't think there's anything too sinister or more going on with Miss Minutes other than that she's just a really fun character to yeah. have in the show. I, I, um, I agree. I don't think that there's too much to read into. But you know what the internet's like. I mean, they've... They're still pers uh, persisting with this Mephisto talk, even though it's been pretty much like laid out. No, he's not going to be in this. Yeah, it's been spe specifically told that he is not going to be a part of this. Um, I I think that the big important takeaway, especially early on, uh, this episode does a lot of groundwork in really helping the audience understand how the TVA operates, hmm. why they operate, and, and how time travel works in this idea. I think the whole episode, it really, like, plays as this really great buddy cop back and forth. Yeah. With, uh, like, buddy cop, like, cop criminal back and forth between Mobius and Loki, hmm. while hmm. also giving you this exposition that really helps kind of lay the groundwork of what's happening. So when you get to the end of the episode, you understand the weight of the situation because you've gotten a, 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 all these little tidbits of information. Mm. Um, the big thing is that they've, they've explained what redlining means and what, what they're exactly doing. So essentially the way that the TVA operates that we learned in this episode is that uh, they have the sacred timeline and the sacred timeline constantly branches whenever something happens that wasn't necessarily that, that throws the sacred timeline off. It'll mm, branch. Mm. Um, a lot of people seem to think literally anything you do changes the sacred timeline. No, I, that's not true. Yep. It has to be something that really affects things. Right. Yeah. So, um, so every time these things branch, the TVA will show up. They will apprehend the person who has uh, committed the time crime, and then they take them to the TVA for processing, and they will set the recharge in order to uh, prune the branch and bring it back into the main timeline as if, you know, basically resetting things to before the branch happened. Mm. Uh, and they have to do this in a certain amount of units, which I, they just say, this is how many units they don't explain <laughs> what that means. It's six units, um, but we don't know what that actually means. Right. Yeah. Um, but when the branch hits the red line, that creates a nexus event, which creates a new timeline and a new multiverse. Yeah. So that is what they are trying to stop from happening is creating different timelines. Mm. Um, and then, uh we also so we so we know that they can uh, like we know i think we kind of alluded to this last week but we know that essentially the 2012 variant timeline that loki is from that we saw in endgame has been pruned we watched them recharge 
or use the recharge set. Yeah. And, and, and prune that. So we know that Loki doesn't can't really go back to that timeline because he is now kind of a man out of a time. They've mm, mm. eliminated his branch. Yep. Um, I think that probably has something to do with why um, I think they list her name as Sylvie in the end credits. So I might call her that or just the variant is what Wikipedia refers to her as as of right now because they have not given this lady Loki a name yet. Yeah. Uh, she does not like to be called Loki, though. Is no, she was but... very specific about that. Yeah. I do think that some people are like, it, it, you know, the MCU likes to kind of take things and, and rearrange them and borrow them and stuff like that from the comics. So I think they, if they, they, they might be using the identity of a character called the, uh, the Enchantress. Mm, yeah. Uh, Loki makes a point of saying that she's using an enchantment spell. Yep. Her name is Sylvie, which is another name of Enchantress. And Enchantress, I believe, was created by Loki in the comics. Sylvie Lushton, yeah. Right. But I do believe that this is a variant Loki who is simply using the name and identity of that comic book character, Mm. but is still Loki. I don't think they're not going to be like, oh, no, this isn't Loki at all. This is a different person. I think they are pretty clear that this is a variant of Loki. Yeah, I, I, I wonder if um, th- this is their way of introducing the Enchantress as a character by by having her origin her origin be that she is a variant Loki and then right. she eventually adopts the persona of the Enchantress as, as a result of um, essentially the timelines all splitting out and her being able to traverse them. Maybe she's a Nexus uh, being in the same way that, uh, that Wanda Maximoff is. We don't know that but uh, it could be the case, uh, in which case there would be a version of her in every timeline. But um, who knows? I think that Loki, if Loki was, it would have to be that Loki is a nexus. Mm. Um, what, is, what is it? Ne- ne- nexus, what is nexus being. being. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. I mean, could could be possible. It mm. could be that there's a Loki that Loki's a Nexus being. We find out in this episode that not only do we get to see a handful of different Loki variants that they've captured over the years in the TVA, <laughs> but that Loki is one of the most notorious time criminals to the TVA that they've, mm. that they have pruned more Loki variants than nearly anybody else. Yeah, man, that, that was fun looking at all of those different variants, especially the, um, the Armstrong version. Uh, very <laughs> apparently a Tour de France winner. Who knew? Right, my, that's my favorite. My favorite yeah. is, is the Loki that seems to have been in some kind Just of cycling event. Completely random to anything else in the world, you know. Like he's he's hanging on to what looks very much like the uh, the, the Tour de France trophy. So I, I think it's fair to say that that's what it was. Um, but like, what timeline takes him all the way from Asgard and turns him into a high performance cyclist? Like, I'd love to know that that, that story. Um, there's uh, so we we, um, we see a little bit of detective work in this episode. Like Loki goes through all of the evidence that he's allowed to see um, after a brilliant scene where he's basically told, "Yeah, that's classified. That's classified. That's classified. We, you're not allowed to know about the start of time, the end of time, the guardians of time. Um, you, there's very little he's allowed to know, um, and I, I think that that essentially is just protecting themselves in terms of." when they want to tell um, the eventual story of the Guardians and uh, what their deal is, because we've already found out in this episode that the future is not entirely certain. The Guardians are still trying to work out which branch should be 
the sacred timeline going forward. They yeah, know it kind of seems as if, if time time does seem like it is it, it is still is fluid around infinitely. Infinitely, well, but, like, yeah. you've got to go around in, in circles, but that the we, sacred timeline is still being written. Mm. Well, the, the um, and something that we didn't mention last week, but has been brought up in in many different Easter egg videos and whatnot, such as Screen Crush and, and New Rock Stars, and to name a couple that we mentioned last week. Um, the story of the uh, the Guardians and the you know the uh, t- the TVA and all that kind of stuff is essentially that the Guardians of Time were created at the end of time by uh, the the last remaining uh, member of this kind of time variance authority, who then sent them back to the beginning of time so that they could essentially safeguard time so that it would allow it to loop back. So it's essentially the function of the TVA and the Guardians themselves is to ensure that they are created at the end of time, um, which I guess time is a flat circle, whatever, you know, it's going to loop back on it eventually. Um, but that seems to be the future that they're trying to assure at the moment. Um and that's based on what we know from the comic books. Whether or not they carry that through to the the, the TV show, we're not sure yet, but it seems like a, a fair bet. Uh, but yeah, certainly we're learning more and more about the fact that time is still in a little bit of flux. There's a little bit of variance as to what the t- the sacred timeline could end up looking like going forward. They've worked it out to a certain point, but they've not worked all the kinks out yet. And I thought that was quite interesting, that they, they, they're not quite sure yet how to get to the end they know the route they they know the destination they just don't know the route that they're going to take yet um lovely little scene with owen wilson is has very quickly become one of my favorite characters uh new characters in in the mcu like mobius is a wonderful character um Mm -hmm. his love of uh jet skis is so pure uh, <laughs> and he seems like this massive 90s throwback like he loves 90s beverages and jet skis and he he has that kind of surfer dude kind of thing like owen wilson is, is did i just call him owen wilson i don't know why um wilson he's a very um laid-back character anyway he feels like he belongs in the 90s so it's a good bit of casting and, and to bring that into it i did see a theory yeah. The the '90s thing is nice because like obviously he talks about how how he loves jet skis and that night in the '90s was the time for the jet ski. But he also constantly is drinking Josta Cola, so mm. that is also this uh, you know thing from the '90s that disappeared. So I like that for whatever reason he has an attachment to the '90s. <laughs> There's this theory going around that he might be a variant from the 1990s and that he's had his his mind wiped um, and he's now just working for the uh, for the TVA unaware that he might actually be a variant i'm not sure i necessarily agree with that because like they well, very it, clearly it, were going to execute loki before he stepped in and that it, seems well, to be the process be, it could be you know i i think the big question here is um how on the board and on the level is the tva we know hmm. the tva uses propaganda yeah uh, to get the people to do what they want. We also know from this episode, we get to hear Mobius talk about what his what, what this all means and, and what it means to him and, and how this is his reality. And I like that we get the difference between Mobius talking to Renslayer and Mobius talking to Loki. 
Um, but we do learn in the Mobius and Renslayer scene that Mobius has never met the Timekeepers, has never seen or talked to them. Mm. So, and I'm guessing that's probably the case for, for most of the TVA agents. And then really it's only Renslayer who seems to be able to communicate to the Timekeepers, yeah. which I think is a red flag. Mm. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and we also get to see a little bit of a of um a um I want to say disconnect. There there's a, a moving in different directions here. I think between Mobius and the other TVA agents, um, the the Minutemen, a handful of them, especially later in the episode, are shown to be a little bit more uh, sinister compared to Mobius. Mobius is, has to pull them back in Alabama because he's being like this one minute man is like angrily, like getting in people's way. And mm. um, they're like, Hey, what are you doing? He's like, Hey, they're all going to die anyways. And Mobius is like, he's like, yeah, but they're like scared and concerned. Yeah. And uh, they shouldn't be scared and concerned of us. We're not coming in here to make their lives worse in their final moments. Um, but um. I also thought it was really interesting, and I they don't really do a great job of explaining it, but I it's all I need to hear to, to understand the kind of concept of it, that when a timeline branches, we talked about the detective work, we know that um, if there is an apocalyptic event, which mm. doesn't need to be the entire world, just a, a situation where you know, a lot of people a, are going uh, to die. Yeah. And Anyone that, that witnessed it and anything that was affected by the variants is essentially reset by the apocalyptic event itself. Right, so that you can do whatever you want in an, ap an apocalyptic event and it won't create a branch timeline because the branch timeline is going to get snapped yeah. when the apocalypse event happens. So uh, Loki and Mobius realize that that is where the Loki variant is hiding. Uh, but we also find out at the beginning of this episode in the Renfair scene, which, by the way, I, Kate Berlant, a comedian, pops up for like a minute at the beginning of this episode uh, as a Renfair uh, attendee, which mm. I thought was fun. I love seeing people like her, Eugene Codero, and and all these fun like comedians making like smaller appearances <laughs> in the MCU. Um, they uh, they basically establish. Uh, Loki asked Mobius, like, why don't we come here before the variant shows up? Why mm. are we going after? Um, and they said, because time is so unstable and the, and this branch is being rewritten and changing as it happens. So they have to you respond have to in real time. time travel to it in real time, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was cool. Did you pick up like I, I know that uh, one of the, the YouTube channels that I, I watch did kind of point her out, but I don't know if this was meant to be the case or not. There was uh, an actress, the you know the the character that um, asked them why they're not in a, in um, in their yeah. age appropriate outfits. She yeah. kind of does look like Agatha Harkness. You know, uh, but it's a different I, I actress. No, that's the case. Kate Berlant, I think, and and Catherine Hahn have a very same comedic energy, and I would love to see. Kate Berlant play a younger <laughs> version of Agatha Harkness. I mean, I um, I kind of like the idea. Any sense because it's it's uh, eighty five. Maybe she's maybe she's an Agatha Harkness uh, um, 
uh, variant who mm. is in a different <laughs> timeline or something. Who know. knows? I but, mean, I, I like the idea of it being yeah. her and her kind of reliving her youth uh, by going to this fair where everyone's dressed as she used to when she was uh, but a mortal girl, you know? Um, mm. But I, I didn't for a second think that it was like on purpose because I felt they would have made more of a thing about it. Um, but it was. No, I it was love just that idea, though. I think that would be hilarious. Yeah, but... it would be pretty cool. Um, now, we, last episode, I made this big thing before we talked about Loki about how I love the use of holding out for a hero in um, in other things, such as the He Man trailer. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, that's now funny we talked about holding out for a hero. <laughs> I. I have seen so many things use that song in the last week, and I don't know if it's coincidence or what, but it's starting to lose its effect a little bit. Now, I, I did enjoy its use in this episode of Loki, um, but tonally, I'm not sure it works. Like, it's high energy, um... and it works from an energy standpoint, but unless, you know, I, I guess it will work come the end of the series when we realise that uh lady loki or sylvie or whatever we're calling her is actually the hero of the piece like it's gonna work for us then but it's a little bit too obvious at this point surely i thought it was interesting as a as a choice because they go to 1985 that is a song that came out in 1985 so mm. that's why yeah 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 oh and, it, it, in 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 uh in world that was a that was a uh what's the word when you play something in the contemporary yeah yeah and uh, and it makes sense uh, because it was it was playing over the pa system inside yeah. the tent i think like the very so beginning of it plays in the pa fun. before it transitions to soundtrack um i don't know i like the scene i think it's great high energy it works really well with action scenes but um i why can't masters of the universe have it why, why does everyone else have to use the bloody thing at the same time i'm pretty sure they <laughs> They made this episode before that trailer came out. No, I know. I know. But, like, it would not surprise me if someone at Disney was like, this song's getting a lot of traction at the moment. It trended on Twitter the other day. Okay, switch it out. It will take an editor, like, half an hour um, to render a new episode with a different soundtrack. Like... I, I I don't actually believe that's the case, so nobody at me yeah. about that. But like, it, I, I've known this to happen before. There have been uh, stories where uh, something has been edited like not long before it's released because a different song came out which they felt worked better, and they just put it in there. You know, like it's not a, a massively difficult job to do that because any good editor keeps all of the original files on hand and can just go back into the project and substitute one thing out for another. So it's it's not impossible. I don't think it's likely, but it wouldn't surprise me if a story came out that said, yeah, we just thought it worked better, and we saw it got a lot of traction at that time, and we thought, fuck it, let's do it. They won't say, fuck nah, it, let's I mean, do they it. Literally, they literally referenced the song in the in the, the uh, sentence before, like the, the whole thing is holding out for a hero i don't think they decided to do holding out for a hero after he-man last week they yeah was a more than likely no you're you're 99 right the, the ren fair announcement is like they mentioned holding out for a hero no i know the but they can place, they, yeah. they can edit the announcement as well that's all i'm saying <laughs> i don't, I don't again, think that's what happened again i don't, yeah i don't think it's what happened either but it, it is at least possible and that's all i'm saying you know there is a branching timeline where someone played a completely different song and it didn't hit as hard um 
but yeah, I still think it was a, a little bit of a weird song choice, maybe a little bit on the nose if you're expecting the variant Loki to become a hero by the end of the thing. But I don't know. We'll wait and see. Um, I love the fact that they're bringing Roxxon back into it yet again, like this om- omnipresent corporation, which has been featured in the background of so many Marvel movies before now. Um uh, yeah, and clearly a, a big part of the comics. I mm. like the idea of Roxxon very quickly becoming a umbrella corporation sh- style, right? Like, yeah, yeah like yeah. we 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 travel to twenty fifty, which I believe is the furthest in the future we traveled. But the sh- but everything in the Marvel universe right now, the contemporary Marvel universe is like twenty twenty six. I think. Oh, I thought it was twenty twenty six for some reason. Well, it's yeah, five it's, years. It's five from years ahead from twenty eighteen. Oh, okay. So yeah, twenty twenty three then. Yeah. Um, so uh, the interesting thing there is that twenty twenty three to twenty fifty is not that long of a time. No, it's actually and less time than it, it would be to travel in the other direction to eighty five. Right. So it's interesting <laughs> to see will Roxon play a bigger role in the upcoming future of the MCU as they expand. Uh, I think that's an interesting idea. I don't know. Like AIM is probably going to be it already is a thing because of Modoc and because that shovel was actually an AIM product. Um Well, and we know we know AIM is also involved in uh Black Widow a little bit. Oh, I do you know what? I've, that's been so off my radar. It was only the other day that I found out that it takes place between Civil War and uh, Infinity War. I thought it took place before pretty mm-hmm. much everything in Marvel. Like I thought it was her origin story. Oh, no, no, no. It's, it's 2016. It's yeah. It takes place. Yeah. So it, it will probably encompass her origin a little bit more, but it's very much a story that takes place during the MCU timeline. Oh, yeah. There's there's flashbacks to when like she was a kid and stuff mm, like that. Yeah. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see all, you know, how everything plays out in that. But And, and I don't know how, how... I'm not saying like AIM plays a big part in it, but I do believe that there is some AIM technology... That is at least uh, maybe just an Easter egg, but at least involved in hmm. in the movie. So well, that would be cool. Um, that would be cool because yeah. AIM is is starting to become a thing within the MCU. So that they need to start kind of like ramping it up a little bit more. In the same way that there are scrolls everywhere, <laughs> you know, we saw one in episode one of uh, this show, um, and they've been popping up here and there in the lead up to Secret War. So you know that they're very good at seeding these things when they need to. But I think Roxon, honestly. Um, if it, it wouldn't surprise me if Roxxon is just being used as like the the acme of the Marvel universe. Like, oh, we need a company name for this. Well, just have Roxxon because they do everything else. You know, like it, if if they can't get the rights to use Shell or BP or something like that, then they'll just have Rox Oil. <laughs> they'll yeah. just be a petrol company. Um, but like, but like I said, I can see it maybe being you know something that they they see a, a being a bigger part of the future. It wouldn't or, surprise or using me. that more as the as the uh, hmm. the you know a, a nice little nod to the future, saying like, we're going to twenty fifty and here's this mm, mega yeah. rocks cart uh, <laughs> place. Not too long from now, maybe maybe we see that happening. Hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a brilliant uh section as well where we uh see the the variant loki uh again using that power to control minds but seeing that it can be passed from person to person almost like a virus um and like i i didn't realize what was happening at first and i thought that the um the tva um 
guard whose name I can't remember, but she's like the head honcho, the one that took Loki's knives away. Um, which is a brilliantly uh, timed is, scene. That's Hunter B fifteen. B fifteen. Okay, that that scene where she takes his knives away is so well timed. I don't know how many times they must have <laughs> they must have filmed that to get the timing just right because it's all in frame. She walks into the scene as they begin their talk, and it's paced out perfectly so that just as Loki gets given them, she says, "You're not having those," and takes them away again. Like it was brilliantly timed. Wonderful comic. Uh, timing there and uh, just a nice little thing but yeah the moment where she hangs on to that guy's wrist and obviously we know now that the um the loki uh i don't know what you want to say consciousness passes from him to her um at that time interesting I was, that hmm. that she's able to control these consciousnesses she it seems to only be able to do one at a time and that she has to pass them by touching yeah. the person. But also, she seems to be able to continue doing other things while that happens. Mm. Somewhere well, they, else. They were clever in, in stating that different variants have different power sets. So, mm-hmm. you know, we, we're still... If if she does turn out to be a variant of Loki, then it's not unusual for us to, to then accept the fact that, oh, she's got different powers. So how can she be Loki? Well, because they already said they've got different power sets. They've put a few of these guys down. Guys and girls, I should say. Um, but yeah, so the first time that that happens, I'm like, oh, was Hunter B-15 like Loki variant all along? Or And then it happens another time and, and I'm like, oh, it's passing from person to person. Like that Denzel Washington film Fallen, which is amazing, by the way. I recommend people watch that movie. It's great. Um, so yeah, the, um, and, and then we finally get the big reveal uh, of uh, Lady Loki or Sylvie. Again, not sure what to be calling her. She's credited as Sylvie. We should probably call her Sylvie. Um, and sure I, we'll learn more about it next week. I'm yeah, sure we'll get the whole, I, the I whole story. I l- love the first line that comes out of her mouth. It's not about you. And she is channeling some serious Jodie Whittaker in that scene. Like, yeah. I had serious Doctor Who vibes coming from her right then. I don't know if she is she Spanish or Italian or I'm because that is a great that English accent. Probably let me find out what her uh, she's she's English. Oh, she is English. Okay, she just has well, a she's uh, has Italian descent, but she's English. she has Italian descent. Okay, because I was going to say she's got a wonderful English accent, but since she's English, it's not really a surprise. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, she um, she was brilliant that unveiling i think they've used a bit of cg to make the shadows more exaggerated when she's taking the uh the old uh hood off um but the design is wonderful um the broken horn which is reminiscent of some previous uh comic book versions of loki i'm not a massive expert most of the stuff that i say about this stuff i i find out from watching videos and doing research and educating myself about the the history of certain characters there's a series called agent of asgard loki agent of asgard um which seems to be using some of the visual cues from there um and like this is the scene where she just sets it off she opens lots and lots of tiny little doors and these bombs fall through all the tiny little doors to god knows where and the timeline branches like an absolute mofo and I I love the scene in the control room where they're just looking at it happening in real time and they're just absolutely shitting their britches. 
Yeah, like, they have and no like the idea. one guy's like, uh, it's a code, it's a code triple zero. Uh, <laughs> and the other guy grabs it. It's like someone bobbed the timeline. Yeah. Uh, here's, so here's the two things that I really like about the the writing in this episode. Mm. Uh, one is this episode starts with them going get Loki and Mobius go to the Ren Fair to uh, find out what's happening with the uh, this variant attacking more Minutemen. And um, what happens is Loki um, is is hearing uh, the units tick down on, on B-15's little thing, that the little computer thing that they use to keep track of, mm. track of time, everything like that. And he starts to do this whole spiel where he's trying to say, like, you know, oh, I know what's going on here. I, yeah, you know, this is yeah. very similar. I see myself in this or whatever. Mm. And uh, Mobius sees right through and goes, oh, he's, he's, he's got nothing. He's just stalling for yeah, time. Yeah, I love uh, that. Let's branch the timeline. Uh, and then Mobius makes a point of saying to, to Renslayer, you know, what are you, what is, like, this is not a good idea. You're, you know, doing this with this Loki. I, I think it's a bad idea. And he's like, no, I'm learning stuff from him. Like, for instance, that this Loki likes to stall for time, and so does the other one. So mm. uh, that'll be really helpful to know later on. And then uh, when we get to the end of the episode, we see that uh, she sets a timer for 20 minutes when all these bombs are going to go off and then proceeds to stall for time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and just kind of like lead Loki around and just kind of like waste the time. And then she makes a point of saying, thank you for helping me stall for time. <laughs> mm. um, which I think was a really great way of, of showing that the same. The other thing that I think was absolutely brilliant, um, and it's a continuation of the first episode, but I think it's super smart. They... Um, the reason why they're able to find her in this rocks cart uh, is because she left uh, in the, in the previous episode, they gave that little kid um, the bubble gum, uh, some gum from mm. which where they were able to trace it back to, okay, where's the timeline that has an apocalyptic event where this gum was available. Right. Yeah. And that's how they're able to find her. Um, and yet uh, in a very uh, uh, always a great twist when when you realize that the other person is several steps ahead of you, um, Lady Loki was telling them exactly what she was going to do. Mm. Because what is the name of the gum? Kablooey. Boom. Yeah. She was telling them the whole time. Absolutely. I love the timeline. Absolutely. <laughs> nah, it's it's really it's well amazing. done. It's so good. It's really, so really well I'm, done. I think that's really fun. I think it's going to be interesting. This next episode, I think this is the episode where we get that still shot that a lot of people were saying might have been Scarlett Johansson. Um, there's a, a shot of Loki and a woman with like a bob haircut sitting on rocks looking out on like a purple landscape. And I think that this is the episode coming up. And I, I think that this is very much going to be the eye opener where she at least alludes to or maybe she just downright explains everything about what her motivations are and why she's doing what she's doing. Um, I feel like, I feel like here's my guess. My mm. guess is that that place where they're sitting and talking is maybe her timeline right before it's destroyed or something like that. Mm. And maybe she tried to fix it and it got branched or something. And so the TVA stepped in and destroyed her world. So she has decided to, to step in and destroy the TVA. 
Um, the other interesting thing is that um, that uh, Hunter C20, who we're introduced to in this episode, uh, played by Sasha Lane um, from American Honey, she um, is kidnapped by uh, the variant Loki, mm. uh, the lady Loki. And um, when they find her, she keeps saying over and over again, it's real, it's real, it's real, it's real. Mm. It's all real. And I gave it away. And I told her where the timekeepers are. Yeah. So that is also interesting. I don't know what she was talking about when she kept saying it's real. Maybe it's her realization that these branching timelines that they've been destroying, maybe up until now, they've, you know, their indoctrination has basically told them, you know, th these aren't rea real realities. It's, it's kind of like that guy at the beginning of the episode where he's like, they're all going to die anyway. Like they're, mm. They're, they've spent so long clipping these branches that they don't think of any of the people that live within them as real people that she's suddenly experiencing and ha uh, you know not as a TVA agent but just as a person caught up in everything um, uh, one of these branching realities and I don't know maybe it's that it could be anything it could feed back to again this idea that the um, the a lot of the people that work within the TVA weren't created by the timekeepers or the guardians or whatever i've been calling them but maybe they were actually plucked out of uh, variant timelines brainwashed and and put to work as uh, as tva members like th there are so many options for for what could be true at this point that it's wonderful because we can continue to speculate till we're red in the face and, and or blue in the face even um and we might not never hit on the uh, the, the the real results but I think it's it's interesting. Certainly, I, I think that there's a very good chance that we're going to get a major, um, a, a major turning point in terms of storyline and, and understanding the uh, motivations of some of the key players in the next episode, because it is episode three, and we're, that, by the end of that episode, we will be halfway through this series. Um, and so, you know, if you look at your traditional structure of uh, of a story, you know, your three act structure, if you will. It kind of makes sense that the first two episodes are Act 1, Episode 3 and 4 are Act 2, and then Act 3 follows after that. So they, they could play around with that slightly, of course. They could have a very short Act 2 and a very long Act 3 or whatever. I don't know. But I think we're getting very close to the point now where they have to start making major plot developments happen. And the fact that Loki decides to follow Sylvie through that door and leaves um, Mobius behind... Um, I'm not sure that it's a case of finally my chance to escape. I think it's that he wants to know what's going on. And I, it's difficult with Loki because you never know what his motivations truly are. Um, he might still very much be wanting her to align with him to take over the TVA, if that was ever his intention to begin with, because maybe he was stalling her, hoping for the TVA agents to turn up. You just don't know. When there's two Lokis in the mix, anything is, is really possible. And it's entirely possible as well that whatever she tells him next episode, if they do have any kind of long interaction, is a complete fabrication as well. So, you know, we really don't know what the bloody hell is going on yet. But I do look forward to uh, eventually meeting the Timekeepers, those three celestial lizard beings. Um, I have a suspicion 
and as as we come to the end of of the episode i'll, I'll throw out this uh, theory and then allow you to tie up any loose ends that you wanted to tie up but my theory for this week is that uh, those free timekeepers uh, don't actually exist anymore, and there's only one I, of them. I, I don't think they ever existed. No, but I think there's one of them. I think one of them still exists, and I think that that will eventually be our Kang the Conqueror. I kind of agree with you. I was, I'm thinking the same thing. I kind of feel like be, knowing that Renslayer has a relationship with King the Conqueror and that mm. Renslayer seems to be the only one who talks to the timekeepers and knowing Kang's coming soon and that the the that people have pointed out the one timekeeper does kind of look like Kang. I would not be surprised if this whole thing was something involving that. I don't know if we're gonna I don't I don't know if it's we meet Kang in the show. I don't think that's gonna I, happen. No, I, I'm not sure that we do. If if we get any Kang content at all, I think it will be maybe just a shadowy figure kind of thing. Right. But, I could yeah. see it being alluded to that it's Kang without actually saying it, but it would make sense. Um, I do think Renslayer knows more uh, than she's letting on. I do think she's lying um, mm, mm. to Mobius I, and the TVA in general. This sacred and, timeline isn't about getting the timekeepers created again. I think it's about securing Kang's power. Yeah, and I'm interested to see how that uh, kind of all plays out. But I definitely think that, that that's the case. I agree with you that they're, mm. they're not really there. Um, and I think that uh, this Lee Loki character is going to be pretty sympathetic. I think we we got to see Owen Wilson on a jet ski by the end of this show. I hope so. I hope him and Loki, either on separate jet skis or together, Bouncing mm. along the waves, um, I, that that would be that would be really nice. I, I just want Mobius to have a happy ending, if anything. You know, I don't really care about any of the other stuff. Right. And, and, and you know, he talks about how hey, it's a happy ending when we when we get everything right. We'll you know we'll all have, celebrate at the end of time. Mm. But I like the idea of Mobius eventually realizing this is all bullshit and that he can go ride a a jet ski on the sacred timeline. Yeah, <laughs> I hope fine. so. I really uh, hope that's the case. Another interesting thing I just want to point out, because I, I really like this, I, I didn't really catch it the first time, but something that's been played a lot is that Mobius uh, references a lot of really specific Loki moments that we've seen. Hmm. Um, and it's because he's seen like every everything that's happened to this guy, so he'll he'll reference things that Loki has said before or done yeah. uh, kind of casually. Hmm. But one of the things that I, it took me a moment to realize, because I thought it was a pretty good analogy for his situation currently... But when after he talks to Renslayer, Mobius and Loki are kind of arguing um, and he's like, I know you're going to betray me like eventually, like I'm not an idiot. You are the most. <laughs> yeah, you I know are, what you're going to you say. You always do that. I, I know you're going to betray me. It's just a matter of time until you do. Like you're, you're going to stab me in the back. Yeah. Obvious liar. <laughs> and uh, so he goes like he's like, so then why were you sticking up for me in there? And he goes. Uh, I'll give you two options and you believe whichever one you want to believe. <laughs> yeah. And the first one he says is because I see this small, uh, this, this small cold child freezing. Uh, and the other one's like, I'll say whatever you, I think will get you to do what I want you to do. Yeah. Um, you choose the one. And at first I was like, Oh, that, that small child thing is really, which, which Loki goes, yeah, it was quite patronizing when you said it. I thought it was a bit too far. <laughs> um, but, but I was like, yeah, he's, he is this person who's been plucked out of time and is now in this new time 
this new situation, this TVA thing, and he doesn't really know what's going on. He's used to being in power, and now he has he has no idea what he's doing, and yeah. and that makes him feel bad. Uh, but what I realized is on the second time I watched through, Mobius is talking about literally this small when he was a kid. giant Loki. Yeah, exactly. As a child. Yeah, and. <laughs> that Mobius has seen every part of this kid's life. And so when he looks at Loki, he sees that small child who never really had a home, scared and alone. And mm, yeah. he feels sympathetic for Loki, which I think is really cool. <laughs> I, I would never stab anyone in the back. Loki, you have literally stabbed people in the back. Well, I wouldn't stab you in the back. I'm bored. It's a boring way to do it now. <laughs> I like, I like, <laughs> it was like, great. He's like, stabbing people in the back such a boring way to betray somebody. Yeah. He's like, you've literally done it specifically that. So it, oh, man. They're just, such, they're just such a great double act, like comedically speaking. They bounce so off each fun. other so well. And I'll be really sad if we never see those two interact after this show is done. I know. Owen Wilson, I am so impressed by his ability to jump back and forth between, like, the like whenever I feel like he's with Renslayer, you get the very classic Owen Wilson uh, archetype. And then you get to see him play it sometimes more serious, sometimes smarter than Loki, mm. and I really love that. Uh, the put-upon nature of Mobius as well. He's so great at going back and forth between those two, and their relationship is so great. He really uh, is. The other thing that I wanted to mention that I found out about uh, is that there's a line in the first episode uh, where he's kind of talking to Loki and and um, I think he kind of threatens him or something like that. And then uh, Mobius goes, yeah, I can play the heavy keys too. Mm. Um, and I found out recently why he said that and what that was, what that was referring to. And apparently uh, there's been a lot of talk of Tom Hiddleston um, taking people to like Loki camp and really like telling people like explaining the character, explaining the important events and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, he he apparently went over all the most important MCU moments of Loki with Owen Wilson, who oh, is not nice. a super MCU uh, fanboy. So this was like a lot of the first time he learned this stuff was right. specifically for this show. Um. And one of the things Owen Wilson asked Loki he was like, what is it about Loki that why do you like playing Loki? Mm. And Tom Hiddleston answered the question saying, like, I really like that Loki can go back and forth, uh, like almost like this sympathy of sympathy of like playing the playing the light keys, but also playing the heavy keys as well ah. uh, and turning it on or whatever. And so he says that to Owen Wilson and then. Owen Wilson improvised that line based on that, saying, I can oh, play nice. the too to him. Nice. And it's literally like referring to how Tom Middleston plays Loki, and I thought that's really interesting and really cool. That's very cool. He plays the low keys and the high keys as well. Uh, <laughs> literally plays the low key. Uh, right, cool. Okay, well, um, that's going to do us. We've run out of time, unfortunately, for today's episode, but I'd like to thank you again, Tyler, for joining me and discussing Loki uh, episode two and uh, we will be back again next week god willing to speak about episode three where hopefully uh, we won't be talking about a um a boring uh monologue or something like that i very much doubt it will be but, i'm uh, sure it's gonna be fun uh the rumors uh from i believe tom middleston is that uh the episode four and five really are the ones that start to to get wild so i'm excited to, oh, nice. to see what happens in episode three but uh just you know this is always the fun part of the of these MCU shows. I always feel like mm. 
Episode, the, the three, four, and five run is really when things start to get a lot of fun. Picks shows. up a lot of pace. Absolutely. Yeah. You can see three being the, the big kind of reveal, and then four and five being, right, now we're going to do things our way and just sowing chaos across the world. And hopefully, hopefully, Loki will be the first MCU show to really land that final episode because. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah, we haven't had that in the other two, but I, I really am enjoying these shows and I, you know, I would like to, to have a full, complete show. And interesting enough, I, I don't think this has been brought up too much, but this is the one MCU show so far where I don't think it's, it's not been confirmed, I don't think, but mm-hmm. I do think there will be another season of Loki. I would love to see another season of Loki, if only because right. I don't know if we ever get Loki back into the mainstream MCU movie-verse, so this would yeah, be a they, cool way to... they pretty to... much clearly have stated that this... that, that like, WandaVision is not going to have a season two. Yeah. Uh, that there, this is that was a one-off thing. Same thing with Falcon Wonder Soldier, like, continues in the next Captain America movie, but Which it's is not really going to continue the show. But Loki... Yeah. I think they've said there will probably be a second season. But, you know, that makes sense because they, they want to keep the Loki thing going. They're not necessarily ready to bring him back into the movies yet, if ever. So another series would be would be great. Um, and then hopefully in time he can make way back into the movie uh, universe at some point down the line. I want to see, I want to see a season two of Loki where it's... Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston yes. going around solving time crimes. And, <laughs> yes. and it's Charlie's Angels style with Miss Minutes giving them their missions. That's what I want to see. Oh, man. Yeah. And Eugene I, Cordero's Casey is there, too, because I like him a lot. We, <laughs> we all need, every show needs a mascot, and Miss Minutes is definitely the one. She can be cranky as well. I want a cranky yeah. Miss Minutes telling this, them off this, like a schoolmistress. <laughs> I, I really just want to shout out. The other thing I noticed in this episode that I really appreciate is that the... Uh, uh, the production design is so good it's like, really really good they've it's really such nailed a it cool looking show with so many interesting elements and just even watching him go through that tva paperwork was cool like oh the death the toll of ragnarok of and yeah. the way everything looks is so cool mm. they so actually finally confirmed a death toll for ragnarok of uh 9700 yeah. i think something like that um which you, you, I could never get a, a handle on how many people lived on that floating rock anyway. So um, it's yeah. it's kind of, it's not good, but I, I think that it's it's right that they should put a, a, a number to that so that we get an idea of the kind of devastation that, that was wrought. Um, but yeah, okay. I like that when he read that, that they played the music that played in Thor just when... Yeah. Uh, it was when um, Odin like kind of disappeared it was the music playing mm, in that moment yeah. there was I just like this, nice. there was just this little glint in his eye that you I, I thought is he crying or is there a door opening somewhere like i, I wasn't quite sure but there was def- a definite sadness in his eyes either way so yeah like he's playing he that plays, really well I, again i know we keep bringing up points after we're wrapping the episode but i like that he <laughs> makes he makes uh like they make a point of playing that emotional and showing it that it is affecting him reading it and then a few minutes later, when he's doing his little salad bit with Mobius, oh, that was great. Uh, he's like, he's he he mentions Ragnarok or whatever, and Mobius is like, oh yeah, sorry about that, by the way. And Loki just kind of goes, yes, it's fine, yeah, it's no big deal. I'm just gonna like, yeah, like, like he's, he's I don't d- really care. It's, no, it's he not, he hey, absolutely cares. He absolutely right. cares, and that's so so good that you can tell that he's putting up this like defensive shield um, of bravado to stop Wilson from thinking that. 
he actually cares when he very obviously does, you know. Um, but yeah, it's been great so far. We're only two episodes in. We've got four more to go and we will return next week to speak about episode three. So until then, um, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for talking to me about this once again, Tyler. And uh, until next time, see you around. <laughs>